thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Pull up a rock by the campfire. It's time for that paleo show with your hosts, Sarah Stewart, Steve Hayter, and the man with no shoes, Brett Hill. Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Sarah Stewart. I'm Steve Hayter. And I'm Brett Hill. Today's guest has always been into health and fitness and had a passion for nature and the outdoors early on. Carl Hammington has been in the health and fitness industry for 10 years now, personal training for eight of them. Carl has a wealth of experience and knowledge and has been actively involved in corporate health and run health retreats. He is a quoted health professional in Good Health magazine, has presented health and fitness seminars, and is founder of men's health initiative Fit Blokes. As well as specialising in exercise and conditioning, Carl has a strong focus on wellness, employing a holistic approach to his exercise programming, understanding that it takes mind, body, and spiritual wellness to achieve the best version of yourself. Carl knows that to look better and feel better for life, we must address all of these aspects of health. Super excited to have you along today, Carl. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> We're looking forward to having a good chat. And just from that brief summary, it's evident that you're very passionate about health and wellness. And I'm wondering, uh, when did your personal passion actually translate into a desire for sharing with and, and helping others? Yeah, I mean, my journey started uh, at a very young age. Um, I was brought up in a very active family and uh, I was also the oldest of uh, three brothers and the oldest grandson in quite a large family. So, um, and for some reason, my family has always valued um, sporting achievement, uh, which in my opinion is different to, to wellness, obviously. Um, so my, my journey started pretty young. I was in, thrust into sport at about four years old. So I played uh, rugby, cricket, um, took up some martial arts, um, karate. Um, so that's where it started. Um, always active, never was allowed gaming consoles or um, I think it was Amiga 500s and Ataris at, at, that, at that age. <laughs> um, yeah, so always playing in the backyard. We had a cool little community of uh, friends and family um, in which we always got together and just played, created our own games and, and got out and about. And I guess my, uh, my journey continued uh, like this for, for many years. And then I reached uh, college where sport became, well, probably in my eyes, uh, quite, quite serious. And I started going places with, with my rugby and with my cricket. And at that time, I thought I'd try and supplement um, my sport with some resistance training. So I got into doing some gym work. And that's basically where everything sort of started to go a little bit downhill. <laughs> um, you know, I learned that uh, you know this this muscle. Uh, sorry, this exercise is for this muscle, and this exercise is for this muscle. And you know, being young and probably um, a little bit egotistical as well, um, I just wanted to look good. So I was, I was doing a little bit of beach muscle work. Um, and about eighteen years old, I had just made my premier rugby team, uh, just out of college, and. Did uh, what's called the unhappy triad to my right knee, so I tore my uh, my anterior cruciate ligament, my medial collateral ligament, and uh, ripped out all of my meniscus as well. So I had a pretty pretty serious injury. So um, that's when my sort of I started to really get interested in uh, exercise physiology and rehabilitation. I just uh, started my diploma in exercise science, 
um, at that time, so two years, and I, I later on I, I continued with a um, bachelor as well. Um, so I carried on with my gym work, and at the time, I think because myself and my family had valued sporting achievements so much, I sort of uh, lost a little bit of identity with myself, so I just wanted to be good at something again. Um, so a local uh, trainer at the time, he came up to me. I was working. I just started working at a, a gym as a fitness instructor. He came up to me and, and said, "Oh, you've got you know quite a good physique. I think you'd do really well in bodybuilding." Um, so I think Brett's heard me refer to myself as the uh, the dreadlocked umpalumpa. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I took on a, a slightly different persona. Um, and really started, you know, hitting the gym pretty hard and I started putting on a lot of muscle and I did really well with my bodybuilding. And then after about two years of it, doing quite well, I actually realized I didn't really, <laughs> I wasn't happy. I was getting sore, I was getting injured um, and I wasn't really enjoying it. It became a, a chore. I was dreading the sessions because I was so painful. I was constantly in pain. Yeah. Um, so I had a bit of a complete uh, paradigm shift then. At that time, I was into my uh, what was it? My second year of my uh, degree, my bachelor, and I actually connected with one of my um, senior lecturers really, really well. We got on great, uh, Dr. Bobby Chima. He's actually um, across a ditch in Sydney. Um, yeah, and he's became a, he's he's been a good friend ever since actually. And he sort of introduced me a slightly different way of of thinking. And I was introduced to to paleo living and uh, you know nutrition. Uh, movement and and mindfulness, and I also at the time took up uh, a business mentor uh, and personal training mentor, Dave Leo, who's also um, in Australia. He's in Sunshine Coast, who's also a great friend of mine now. And uh, he got me into sort of the Paul Check way of of uh, of looking at health and wellness, and then I started to go down that path. Um, so I completely shifted my the way I thought about. Uh, myself and the way of living, I took a step back or a step outside myself and I went, well, what are we actually designed to do? Um, are we designed to go into a gym every single day, smash yourself for, for an hour straight, hate every second of it, um, inflict pain on yourself in a sterile environment, uh, plug your headphones in, detach from people around you, um, use predictable machines and predictable ranges of motion, and then uh, beat yourself up when you don't achieve what you uh, want to achieve. And then you dread going to the gym again the next day. And I was like, well, this doesn't seem right. And obviously, um, at that time, I'd just started in the fitness industry too. So I was starting to question it for my, my clients and I started seeing uh, very similar uh, results and side effects. So, yeah, I, I started to network with other people, other uh, fitness professionals that were really good at what they do. So I, I connected with some osteopaths, some chiropractors, some nutritionists, um, physios, and I just uh, went out of my way to book in times to, to learn off them. And I obviously had my mentors as well. So I was unable at that time, it was a real awakening moment, I, I was unable to view exercise as one thing in isolation. I couldn't help but take into consideration uh, my sleep patterns, you know, how inflammatory I was, how where my autonomic nervous system was. Was I overstressed? Was I under-recovered? Was I eating the food that's going to nourish my body and help me uh, mend and help me heal? Um, 
am I performing the movements I'm designed to, to perform? Um, am I even able to get close to some of those movements? Um, and also, where is my mind at? So I became really mindful of my mind as well. So, you know, what was my in- internal dialogue like? Um, how was I talking to myself during training, after training, during everyday life? So I had a complete uh, mindset change there. And that sort of led to the evolution of my little side project, Best Me. So that was all about finding, or that is all about finding the best version of yourself. So I pulled together a, a team at the time, and it was um, Helen Patteron, naturopath, um, which is Brett. I know you, you, you know quite well. And yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, she's a cool chick. And uh, psychotherapist Annie Rogers, who is one of the most uh, beautiful human beings I've ever met. Both really well-rounded. They could, they're both really good at what they do, uh, but could also see the bigger picture. They they knew that mindfulness and movement and nutrition um, were equally as important as each other. So, yeah, I've just continued to to grow from there, and uh, yeah, it's not uh, uncommon to find me running through the bush in bare feet now, or lizard crawling up and down some steps, or. Um, performing all sorts of weird movements on a bar or on some rings. So, yeah, I've changed from lifting isolated uh, or using predictable machines to just using my body, really. I use my body weight a lot to train now, and I I carry that over into my, my business as well. So I try my best to to teach my, my clients how to, how to use their body effectively uh, and not forget about those other elements of health and wellness. That's awesome, Carl. What a what a rich and amazing story. And one of the one of the things I was interested in is you spoke about going through the conventional system of uh, working out your body. And um, what I'm curious about is, uh, you know, there's there's a there's a conventional way out there, I guess, that you go about training clients as well as a personal trainer. And what I'm interested yep. to know is is um, how did what you learn uh, change? The, from the conventional way you were training clients to what it looks like yep. now when you take someone on. You know, you're talking about mindset and inflammation yep. and sleep and a whole bunch of stuff. So what does it look like, yep. you know, instead of just, you know, your 45 minutes and see you later? Yeah, yeah, well, that's uh, <laughs> what I've learned is not to go on with any preconceived ideas or, or, or plans as well. I have loose plans when I go into to sessions, but... Um, you need to be flexible and I guess having those skills available um, can be really useful and knowing when to refer out as well. But uh, I guess my system now, when a new client comes to see me, I perform uh, like an interview with them. So I sit them down for anywhere from half an hour to an hour and I'll ask them, first of all, what are their goals? What what is their What do they want to do long term? Um, and work your way back from there. And then I'll really dig deep to try and find the why behind those goals and quite often it can completely shift and that will give me some sort of idea of where to start you know would do you even want to you know would that person be best even starting with me with movement or would they be better to go off and see a nutritionist um, to start or see a see a naturopath or get a movement screening done with a you know a, a physio or a chiropractor or an osteopath um, or even look into some more uh, psychological uh, paths of uh, of starting first. So yeah, usually I think that 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 first interview for me or that first um, chat is really really essential. 
And then from there, um, usually what I do, um, and I do this with everyone, is I perform a complete uh, screening. So I've actually, me and my, me, myself and uh, three other people have started a, a wellness center in Wellington called HealthFit Collective. So we've got a, a wide range of practitioners from uh, psychologists, nutritionists, massage, uh, osteopathy, a whole range of different services. So I was involved in designing the, the screening process for that. Um, so we do a full screening, including uh, movement analysis. So that's where uh, one of my strengths lie. I do a lot of uh, biomechanical assessments. So I'll test uh, you know, length and strength relationships. So I'll look at uh, the seven primal patterns, the um, squat, bend, lunge, push-pull, uh, rotation, and then gait as well. So I'll try and string together some sort of theory around, you know, how they're moving, where they're restricted, where they're dominant, uh, physically, where, where, where can we start with this to, to formulate some sort of physical plan. And then we might uh, yeah, go off and send them to another practitioner after that. So um, did that even answer the question? I can't remember what it was. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was it, it, sounded, it sounded pretty good, mate. It's given us a bit of an insight into what you do. And um, and I love that stuff. You know, those those seven primal movement patterns. I read them ages ago in one of Paul Check's books, which is Movement That Matters. And uh, yeah, it was such a short book. little book and such a simple little book. But I got so much yeah. out of that. It was just awesome. Yeah. Um, one, let's talk a little bit about your bodybuilding <laughs> days, mate, because I, I'm going to encourage everyone who's listening <laughs> to this just to, to Google Carl Hamilton. Just just oh, put it into Google it's on the Facebook and go page check out Google bro. Images and oh, have a couple oh of looks at something. Because this guy that I saw on these Google Images is just unrecognizable from the guy who I saw speaking at the Paleo Way <laughs> Tour in New Zealand. It was They're just two completely different people. And so... The question I've got for you is often I find people will go into, you know, they get into a healthy lifestyle and they're eating well and they're exercising and they're doing things pretty well and, you know, they're feeling pretty good, they're looking pretty good and, and a bit like yourself, someone says to them, hey, how about you go into bodybuilding and they think yeah. that maybe if I go into bodybuilding, then I might just be able to do what I've been doing a little bit more and I might be even healthier and, uh, yeah. and my experience with that is that generally people heading into bodybuilding, it doesn't actually make them healthier. They, they might get a bit more muscly, they might you know, be a bit leaner. <laughs> but it's yep. not necessarily healthier. So what was your experience with, with the bodybuilding sort of scene and, and what, are the, what are the pitfalls people need to look out for if they're going to get into that sort of scene? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to completely bag it because I actually I pulled a lot of, of positive things out of it as well and I definitely found it a very good challenge to see how I could push myself in different levels and I can honestly say that I never uh, deviated from my nutrition or uh uh, training plan, which is probably not a good thing now, but it was uh, a good lesson to learn. Um, yes, health-wise, um, it was a really interesting time for me because I was going through that transition and, and mindset change around uh, exercise. Uh, so definitely for myself, I found that I was following a conventional sort of bodybuilder's diet, which, uh, you know, cutting out fats, which we were we all know now is a, a bad idea, especially for males, saturated fats. Um, I was restricting carbohydrates. Most of my carbohydrates were coming from uh, grains. I was taking some supplements. I was taking protein powders and I tried with a bit of creatine. I still kept it reasonably, what I thought at the time, <laughs> natural. Um, Health-wise, I was moving. I was less reactive. So as soon as I'd enter a reactive environment, uh, it was all over, so I, I was no good at touch rugby anymore. I was no good at my martial arts anymore. I just found myself 
quite bound up and uh, my, my body wasn't smart. Uh, Energy-wise, at times it was good, but most of the time I was, I was battling and it was a real punch in the face to me or a slap in the face when I, I did a full screening. Uh, I started working in a cardiac rehab unit at um, the university I was working at in my final year. And uh, we did some screening on ourselves and uh, my blood pressure was through the roof. And, you know, as far as like the healthy food guide and uh, training plans and everything else I'd learned at university went, I was following it to the T, so I was quite confused there. Um, I was inflammatory, constantly battling some sort of injury or pain. I was starting to get some chronic pain in my shoulders and my knees. Um yeah, I mean, I was experiencing things I'd never experienced before. Um, it was quite interesting. And that's when I obviously started to question what I was doing. Second time around, I tried it with a slight more, slightly more uh, paleo spin. So I bumped up my saturated fat intake as I cut back on my grains and whatnot. And I actually felt a lot better energy-wise right the way through the um, quote-unquote dieting process. <laughs> Um, until that last couple of weeks and you just can't avoid the, you know, the, I hope not permanent damage you do to your body when you, you know, you dehydrate and you play around with potassium and sodium and fat content and, uh, yeah, whatnot. But at that stage, I think I'd already entered down that, uh, rabbit hole and I was opening doors. So my whole thought process around, uh, exercise and bodybuilding was changing. So yeah, but generally, I'd say not so healthy. Not saying that's that's the approach everyone takes, but and it's effective everyone. But it wasn't good for me. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting world, um, Carl. And I never got as far as you did. But when I dipped my toe into sort of the even the physique realm of of bodybuilding, I remember um, you know very early mornings that I couldn't function without you know having a big gulp of thermo fuel, or and yeah. more so the the lesson that I learned when I was coming off of all of those supplements. Um, it was really yeah. a scary time. I went for a few months where I was just constantly shaking all over and. I thought, crikey, this can't be good if I'm not taking it. My body's reacting like this. What's going on? So it's a very interesting yep. world and, and certainly surrounded by a lot of sort of pressure of what you should look like and what you should be doing yes. in order to achieve perfection. So I'm always yep. interested to chat about it. Yeah. I'm also curious, Carl, um, you, you know, in a world um, today where we're constantly talking about inclusion and, and uh, equality it can be challenging sometimes to separate male and female without offending people but i strongly believe yep. that when it comes to health there are some specific things that are quite different about us and i'm curious yep. about uh, what your fit bloke initiative was all about and also um you know your opinion about what is different between males and females and their training needs yeah well i'd actually say i'll go a step further and say every single person is different so um, you know, everyone has their own unique physiology. Everyone's got their own uh, genetic uh, codes, um, their own microbiome. Uh, but definitely male and female, for sure. Um, <laughs> you definitely can't apply the same uh, training, nutritional, uh, or even mindset techniques to, to males and females. And I guess my fit blokes was based around... A lot of it was psychological, and I'll, I'll go back to the bodybuilding again. And um, what I found there that I, I I began to attach myself or identify myself as uh, purely you know physical. So all of my emphasis was on uh, looking good, and you actually become quite 
um, detached and quite intrinsic and um, you feel less connected and I think your whole, your, your values are, are challenged quite a lot. Um, and same with uh, a lot of men today, especially with the, or what I've learned through Annie, the, the psychotherapist, is um, where do we fit in society now? Where do males and females sit in, uh, fit in? Um, we've obviously both got a balance of you know masculine, feminine, um, psychologically, and uh, do we have a unique? Do we have a, a role now to play in uh, in society? Like, what is a modern day male? Where do they fit into society? What is a modern day female? Um, that was really interesting, challenging that. Physiologically, um, obviously, completely different hormonal, hormonally and, and physiologically as well. So um, that w- the nutrition side was definitely um, more in the hands of the nutritionists that I, that I worked with. Um, but, you know, looking at, uh, you know, for example, how saturated fat um, impacts on uh, male testosterone levels um, versus female estrogen and whatnot. Um, that time of the month obviously has a has an impact on on uh, uh, female f- females physically and physiologically on every level, and I think that's often not talked about as well um, as a trainer. So it's important to identify. Obviously, when there's inflammation around that uh, that area, um, deep core muscles don't uh, a little bit switched off, so they're not functioning as well, which means you're a little bit destabilized through the the hips and pelvis, which means you're you're more likely to, to injure yourself. Um, we do a little bit of work around uh, that with the females and best me, but for men, obviously, you don't have to worry too much about that. Um, men, more and more research, as you guys know, is coming out around uh, short, sharp training as well. So uh, high-intensity interval training uh, supplemented with some heavy lifting seems to have some great, uh, some great physiological adaptations for, for men. Um, not so much with females, as far as I'm aware, but you could probably uh, counteract that. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a few things there. Uh, we did a few little like challenges, so some six-week uh, or three-week, six-week and 12-week challenges and overhauls. So for men looking at, uh, and, and females are my best me project, but uh, sleep patterns, which I think, uh, sleep patterns and recovery, which I think is the most underrated uh, training principle. Uh, and how that affects your physio- physiology. So looking at stress hormones like uh, cortisol, epinephrine, um, and how you know every minute pretty much after 10.30 p.m., as far as I'm aware, that you're not sleeping, um, your body exponentially produces a bit more cortisol. So you become more inflammatory. Uh, testosterone levels tend to, to, to fade away. Um, so we made that a real pr- priority. Um, Looking at eating real food for men, obviously, and, and females too, but uh, was was massive. And once again, that was more on the hands of the uh, nutritionist. And yeah, talking about the mindset stuff just before. Yeah. Carl, I wanted to touch on the mindset because in your introduction, we learned that you have been involved with corporate health. We were talking about mm-hmm. um, stress levels and so mm-hmm. forth. And I just wanted to know along your journeys and along your travel, obviously coming from a you know, a bodybuilding um, place where there's very much a just get it done attitude. 
Um, yep. What have you learned about the role of, of mindset, but also the tools that you've acquired to help uh, manage stress and uh, bring yourself yep. into a, a good equilibrium uh, so that you're, you're listening to yourself better when you're going about your wellness journey? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, what we really, really emphasize is, is, is mindfulness. So what sort of like listening to your body on every single level, what is your body telling you? Um, I'm big into balancing that autonomic nervous system. So for, you know, myself, you know, how I've got a little checklist I take through my clients with every session. So how hydrated are you? You know, how much water have you drunk today? How much sleep did you get last night? Um, how stressed are you feeling? Did you get a chance to, to eat um, today? And what did you eat? Just checking on a few of those things can give us a, a little bit of a snapshot of, of where you're at that day and, you know, whether to, I call it work in or work out. So working in usually uh, entails sort of energy giving movements. So a lot of breathing, flow movements, Tai Chi-ish uh, or meditation wise. Uh, working out is uh, obviously pushing yourself hard. So, you know, where, where is my vitality? Where is my, my energy for that, for that day? And I try my best to, to teach my, my clients uh, how to do that as well. I'm definitely uh, not a fan of um, smashing smashing yourself day in day out, especially if um, you know you've been working hundred hour weeks and you know uh, surviving off caffeine and uh, energy drinks and uh, donuts and sleeping for four hours a night. Then you know that's the worst thing you can do. You're just gonna uh, crash your nervous system and and your immune system at the same time. So first step for, for those people, which is a, a huge portion of the, the people I see now, is just to, to learn to slow down and learn how to uh, look after your body and become aware of, of what's going on, what your body's telling you. Hey, um, Carl, you mentioned at the start, and something I'd like to come back to a little bit, you were talking about the why and helping people figure out why they, they want to make these changes. And I find this is such an important thing. And one of the things you said was that, uh, well, I'm probably paraphrasing a bit here, but essentially that what people write down when they come in um, is yeah. not usually really their why, and that you can actually yeah. delve deeper and find out really why they want that as well. Um, and I certainly find this a lot, and I talk about this a lot, and, and work on this a lot with my practice members, <clears> and figuring out, well, you know, they'll come in and say, well, you know, I want to lose some weight, or I want to uh, get rid of my back pain, you know, but that's not actually why yep. they want to do it. And then you start talking to them, you find out that it's deeper than that. It's, well, why do you want to get rid of your back pain? Well, it's because I want to be able to pick up my kids and play with them, or, you know, whatever yes. it happens to yes. be. So I'd love for you to talk a bit about that, Carl, and how you sort of delve into that, and perhaps how people at home can sort of delve into that and try and figure out a bit of a deeper level of what their why is and, and why it's so important to connect to that. Yeah, that's that's massive. Um, so yeah, like, like you said, it's interesting where it can take you just by asking that question. I mean, a lot of the time, yeah, you'll come in with people, well, people come to me with uh, weight loss goals and I'll just ask that simple question, you know, why why do you want to lose weight? We might dig a bit deeper and ask some, ask some questions or get them to ask some questions themselves. And a lot of the time it comes down to, um, you know, their relationship with themselves or even their relationship with their, you know, significant others as well. Or it might be that, uh, you know, the pressure from, you know, being, being in a gym-like environment where body image is, is really, really shoved down your throat a lot. Um, so, yeah, ask yourself... Um, well, first of all, write, write down a list of goals, what do you want to do, and then ask yourself that why. And then uh, ask yourself as well, um, 
you know, how would you feel if uh, if you did achieve this goal in, in six months or whatever the, the time frame is? Um, then ask yourself as well, um, how would you feel if you didn't achieve that goal? Um, and how would you feel if you regressed further? And how would you feel if um, you exceeded your goals? Those are really important questions to, to ask as well. Um, quite a lot of the time, uh, with weight loss especially, um, I'll find that it's more got to do with how they think other people view them. So, you know, maybe they don't feel, you know, sexy to their, their husband or their wife. Um, and it's quite often not the case um, when they when they dive, dive a bit deeper, but can really open up a can of worms as well. So um, it's nice to have people around me that uh, I can um, refer. It's um, always really interesting to rely on, a, I guess, a network of, of health professionals, and, and you're quite right. You know, the question why can uh, open up all kinds of um, conversation and self-discovery and I think it's a really important one to have. Um, Carl, before we go, it's so lovely to, to chat to someone that's so level-headed and, and cruisy but has such a, a wonderful um, view on, on their approach to health and obviously you've already imparted that knowledge to, to a great amount of people but how can people find out more about you? Are you active on social media? Yep, yep. I've got a, I've got a few things going at the moment. Uh, my little side project, uh, Best Me. Um, you can find that on Facebook, which is a Best Me community. Um, you can also find me on online with that. So that's bestme.co.nz, although the website at the moment is uh, just being made over a little bit. Yep. Um, also, my new or our new big project, uh, Health Fit Collective, which is on Clyde Key in Wellington. Um, you can find me there. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, Health Fit Collective, and we've got a web page as well, healthfitcollective.co.nz, so you can find me on all of them. Beautiful. Well, that'll uh, keep us sorted out, and we'll um, happily share those on our page along with uh, a picture of your Oompa Loompa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Thanks. Um, but it, it is an amazing journey, and we love to have a bit of fun, Carl. So um, oh, certainly yeah. your, your current... Um, images that, that are on um, the internet uh, indicate you just look so vibrant and healthy so it's it's a wonderful um, comparison to be able to see and um, I hope you don't mind us poking a bit of fun at you but we actually think you're pretty amazing with <laughs> where you're it. at and the, the vibrancy that you enthuse so that's really cool as always uh, we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did remember you can join the conversation by liking that paleo show on facebook and following us on instagram until next week continue to share your story and help to grow the paleo tribe worldwide this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.